So I remember being in a meeting once. I think it was a church members meeting. I actually can't remember what it was about. Um, but after I'd finished speaking, and this guy next to me, very sweet, very middle class, said, what Sharon meant to say was. <laughs> and then he went on to spout this fluffy, toned down, emasculated version of what I was saying. Um, really didn't need an interpreter. Um, and the reality was that it didn't matter whether um, everybody in the, the, the room agreed with me. The thing was that I was, I was just succinct and to the point. I wasn't rude or offensive. I wasn't being abusive. I was just speaking my mind. I'm from a scheme, so there's really no doubt about what we think. We don't have to sit on the fence. And this guy, this is unsolicited interpretation of what... He, I assume he thought was a palatable, more palatable to the ear version of what I was saying um, than, than mine. And was absolutely unsolicited. I, I, I didn't need someone to explain my words for me. Personally, I found it pretty offensive. Um, I found him to be excessively rude, which is probably what he thought I was being. Um, I found it passive aggressive and actually condescending. Um, I, and it's not an isolated incident. It happens all the time. The, the truth is, and this is the sad truth, in no other environment but the church would that have been seen as acceptable behavior. So in my workplace, um, even as a professional, there's no way that nobody would have done that to me. Only in the church would they have seen that as acceptable. Now, I know this is a silly wee story to help me get over my nerves and get used to my accent, um, but it specifically highlights the culture, the cultural divide that we see within our church. And we also see this without even thinking, this natural paternalistic response that we have and that we, re we receive. So these barriers, the highlights that we've been hearing about today, the presuppositions, they're actually true, and simply pretending that they don't exist uh, won't make it go away. So in reality, the truth is that we all have a history. There's things that influence us. They affect our judgments, the way that we think, uh, the way that we view people. Um, and we can say till we're absolutely blue in the face that we are non-judgmental, and that within our church, we have no prejudices. But it's just absolutely not true. The key, I think, is for us to, like today, acknowledge that it exists, that there are issues both sides of the fence, and we can openly discuss and challenge some of our wrong thinkings that might happen. So I want to take just a few minutes, hopefully within my time before the red flashes at me, um, to tell you a couple of things that have happened to me and highlight some of the, the barriers, the presuppositions that I came up against when I faced, because I'm a single mum from a working class scheme, and part of a church, and also as I engaged in ministry. There's loads, but we've only got 15 minutes, so I've, I've got it down to three. I'm not as good as Andy Prime. So I've been in ministry for over a decade, um, probably longer than that if I actually admitted my age to myself. And I have to tell you, when it comes to scheme women in ministry, I'm absolutely sick of being the only girl in the room, right? It's just how it is. I'm absolutely bored with that. I've been at meetings where they've looked at me and they, they say, are you, are you the wife? No. Then they go for the second guest, are you the secretary? No. The PA? No. 
Then they didn't know quite what to do. Did they offer me the chair or hand me their coat? So being the only girl in the room, it's absolutely, um, it's awkward. So not only do you have to navigate guy, bloke, but you have to navigate posh bloke, which um, if, you're from, if you're me, or Tasha, it's, it's actually really intimidating. Um, I don't understand guys at the best of times, especially when you talk a language that I'm not understanding. But I remember once I was at this meeting and I was getting this absolute hard time off this minister. He was really confrontational, giving me um, abuse, I suppose, um, very politely, about um, how 20 Schemes viewed women because we're complementarian. And the irony seemed to be lost in him that I was the only girl in the room sent by my ministry to represent us and he was telling me unsure how I should feel. I'm like, that's odd. Skin culture is really um, matriarchal. Strong women making um, all the decisions. Um, basically, they're doing everything because nobody else is helping them. There's no point asking because nobody is going to help if you ask. And the, the reality is, it is this, this is this independence is born out of necessity and not out of need. It's not like it's born out of some sort of false feminist ideology. There's just nobody coming to help them. So if you like film analogies for those film buffs out there, it's more made it in Dagenham than Mona Lisa Smile. And so take a strong, capable woman, add someone who's um, a little direct and not afraid to own her opinions, and what you have is a lot of assumptions, um, like a lot of confusion about um, who they are, perhaps a little bit of fear and, and the potential for a lot of misunderstandings. And I think this is one of the reasons why in, in church in general we don't see um, a lot of scheme women in key ministry roles. We just don't. But strong doesn't necessarily mean aggressive, right? It doesn't mean troublesome. It doesn't even mean unsubmissive. It might not even mean rebellious. It just means she's resilient, which is perseverance in a different disguise. A while back, I went to this women's conference for women's, women working in, in, in general, women's workers. And in the whole of the UK, only 40 women turned up. 40. Like, there's probably more churches represented in this room. 40 women. And I can tell you the only scheme women were the women from my, my church. But as churches and church plants, we're simply not employing enough women um, as women's workers on our staff. And I would say that even the women's workers are strategically a key role in church, church plants, church teams. Um, they're also an essential one, but that's another talk, and I was told not to do that one. So a while back, I was at this conference, and you can see this, this divide instantly there. Not only are we underrepresented, because there's 40 when there's loads of churches, but we're the only church that are scheme women. So over the decade, I'm so encouraged that what we've started to see is more churches recognize this marvelous need to have good godly women, solid and mature, taking on their role as a women's worker. But however, they have this idealistic picture of who she is. This women's worker that, that we have in our head is someone that's uh, squeaky clean. She's proper sweet. She's usually quite quiet spoken quite demure in the way that she acts. Went to Bible college or Cornhill graduate. She's like the fifth 
like, you know, that sort of like fifth generation Christian that um, been in church all her life, the living, breathing, walking version of what we think Proverbs 31 actually is. She's practically perfect in every way. Mary Poppins does exist. Don't get me wrong, I'm absolutely excited you're thinking about and employing godly women to take on the role of women's workers. But I tell you something, if she was like a single mum, had like a few, a few tattoos, maybe even worshipped fairies before she became, became a Christian, that's true, does happen. Um, if she has like a previous assault for a, a, a previous record of assault on her or before she became a Christian, or even um, this coming from the wrong postcode, even if she was just a strong woman, the, the chances are you wouldn't even be considering her for taking on one of your, your ministries, never mind the key role within your church. It's as fundamental as that. The reality is that our women don't fit this idealistic mold that we have of that role. So number two, my second point, scheme women in the church. So becoming a Christian is hard enough, but for most women and um, from schemes, when we come into a church context, we have to rethink everything. So it's not like we've just got a clean slate when it comes to the, the Bible stuff, but it's also cultural. It's alien to us. It's absolutely, even after 30 years, I still find some stuff weird. I mean, it is random when complete strangers coming up to you and saying, can I hug you? No, you can't. I don't know you. That's weird. Hey, Tash, it's weird. And the thing is that it's, it's not just the creepy things like, can I hug you? It's all the other things, simple things that we just don't understand, like you take for, for granted, games nights and dinner parties, even simple phrases that you have mean different things for us, pop over any time. Actually means for us, pop over any time you like. <laughs> Without three weeks notice or putting it in my diary, just turf up. And if I'm in my jammies, and my mum's there, it's all right, come in, the more the merrier. We don't really understand what that means. And phrases like, how are you doing? We actually think you're supposed to answer that. We don't understand that. It may be code for some sort of Christian fluff of polite conversation where you never do any depth. So when we answer it, and answer it truthfully, and we're faced with this, really embarrassed, not quite sure how to respond, answer back. We know we've done something wrong, but we don't know what. There's like a faux pas that's been in the room, but we've just not been letting the joke. It's confusing, simple things like that. One of my girlies one night asked me, Sharon, do these Christians, Shabba, she said Shabba, Shabba, do these Christians ask me to their house for dinner just to see if I'll steal off them? She thought it was a test instead of an invite. So those things are absolutely confusing to us. And even when Christians try, when you put lots of effort in, it's still weird. We went to the FIEC's um, Thrive Con Conference, and I've actually wrote that in big letters so I don't see it. Um, Thrive Conference, and um, those guys, I mean, they, they did a great job. They gave our girlies the best room in the house. The rest of us were put in the stable blocks. But they were, yeah, best room in the house. But even when they put effort in, it was still weird. And I know that if we hadn't gone with our, our girls, they'd have been back on the train the first night. Even the simplest of things like food was odd to them. I remember the first night pizza came out and one of ours turned around and said, 
Shabba, why is there a cucumber on my pizza? I was like, that's a courgette. And then they were like, the next day, hunting through the chicken and pea curry to find the chicken, but it was really chickpea curry. They never understood it was a vegetarian option. So they found it weird. And when they were trying on the minister's robes that were beautifully embroidered, doing the selfies, having a fashion show, it didn't go down too well. But my favorite moment, my all-time favorite moment, is when the girls were playing croquet on the lawn. (laughs) Seriously, we were. They were playing croquet on the lawn. An hour or two, I've got it like it's a hockey truck. And they're whacking it for all their lives. And they're shouting to this, this really sweet lady called Julia, come on, Julia, give it some welly. <laughs> and she's there with her little swing set and pedals on. I'm trying, Tasha dear, I'm trying. <laughs> it was amazing. But my point of all these funny stories is if they are struggling with the food, just the food, what else are they going to be struggling with that, that week? Fish out of water, as Andy Prime says. Then my last point, and I'm going to try and not rant on this one, because I, I, I honest to goodness do have a chip on my shoulder. Six minutes. Doing well. Four pages to go, though. <laughs> Single parents in the church context. So single parents are one of those groups that you all like to have an opinion about. Everybody does. Newspapers, um, everybody, even the church, we have an opinion about, uh, without exception, an opinion about single parents. The papers, all the stats will have you believe that we're all on the dole, we're all getting pregnant for the housing benefit, true story, and all our kids are committing some sort of heinous crime and doing drugs, because after all, all the drugs and crime that's committed is done by single-parent kids. But then apparently, when you get into the church context, we're all after your husbands, true story. um, We're all independent feminist types, um, and we all need to be taught how to take care of our kids. I mean, these are actually true things that happen to me in some way, shape, or form, just to set the record straight. Right, I am from a scheme, working class, single parent. My two kids um, are university educated. Don't feel I should apologize for that. I do feel I should apologize for the worst thing that they've ever done is not drugs or crime. They went to a Comic-Con convention dressed in character. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, wept that day and thought I'd drop them on their head as a kid. Um, I am a strong independent type, but that's not out of like, some sort of feminist ideology is because I've got no choice. No one else is coming along to help me to do stuff. Um, And if I really was even offered the opportunity um, by some some chance um, to to date one of your husbands, I can tell you now my scheme mentality wouldn't let me. I mean, we're brought up not to mess around with anybody else's man. It's a rule. So those things, and bizarrely when we think about it, um, I'm not a grandma at 48, and I've never signed on the dole. But the weird thing about my kids and the way that we were brought up, because it was bizarrely my kids' affluent two-parent family households that the, were the ones that abused drugs, got pregnant at 15, and were abusing alcohol. My kids were the ones that were taking them home. 
So do I have a massive chip on my shoulder? Yeah, I probably do. It's probably about the size of a boulder. Big shoulders. And, or am I just imagining it? Like, is there a thing going on? Um, do all these um, barriers and presuppositions, are, are they actually there and does it happen? Yeah, it happens all the time. All the time and it's frustrating. When Mez, my pastor, yeah, he is actually my pastor, decided to hire me a very long time ago, um, you would be surprised to know that the appointment did not go without comment. And we got all, it was all sorts of stuff. What about the witness? And I can tell you now, the fundamental thing that was driving all the comments was the fact that I was a single parent. What about a witness? What kind of witness is that? Would it really be having good having somebody in that key role who's come from a broken home, especially directing a ministry? How could she, because her family doesn't depict a biblical model, speak well and wisely into her wives and mothers in our, in our congregation? Those and many more happened. You can imagine all the comments. And the, the real irony of it was I just didn't fit their Ponzi version of what a woman's worker looked like. The assumption was, I suppose, that if I was not this perfect example of Christian womanhood, that I would have this detrimental effect on them. It was like, you know, in the 60s when a woman got, well, a, a teenager got pregnant, they would hide it away just in case it was contagious for everybody else. It's, it's a bit like that. I mean, maybe I would have a detrimental influence on them. But the reality is that none of us, no woman in this audience, is the perfect example of womanhood. She just doesn't exist. The reality is that she doesn't exist and she doesn't become from a certain point of the demographic. So the scheme girl may come with a lot of emotional baggage. She may have a messy life and she may even have unruly kids. True story. But the truth is, unfortunately, within our church, my experience is that she will receive no real discipleship. And the friendship that she gets will be tokenistic and unbalanced. Won't be a balanced friendship of equals. And the opportunities that she has will be limited to serve and tokenistic. My favorite job was I was given the job of making coffee and tea, and I'm rubbish at it. Flashy light, I know. Just because she doesn't know who Luther is and she thinks that Calvin is a set of boxers doesn't mean that she doesn't know how to handle or understand complex, deep, weighty, and fundamental biblical truths. It's like there is just no expectation for the scheme girl to not only reach the ceiling but smash through it. We have low expectations for her growth. So this is where I, I genuinely want to challenge us, even though it's like flashy on 56 and it's dead distracting. My question would be, if you have a pathway to service for the women in your congregation, is the scheme girl on it? Do you even expect her to be there? Do you treat her exactly and train her exactly the same way as you would the social worker or the suburban housewife? Or do we just expect that she'll never grow beyond the point that we think she will? So I absolutely want to say, yeah, we can. We can train, we can disciple, we can give good accountability, and we can encourage. She may be starting further back in the blocks, but she can get to the same destination. 
She's been saved for an absolute genuine reason and a purpose by God. And she has God-given gifts for our church and our community, and we need to equip her to, to do that, for acts of service for him. We need to disciple, train, equip, and release her into this acts of service that the Lord has prepared for her. We need to take an honest and a good look at our culture and ourselves and truly examine our expectations and our opportunity for each and every church member, not just one demographic group. At 20 Schemes, we genuinely want to prepare and equip women for ministries, no matter what side of the fence they come from. Look, we're honest. We actually do train posh girls. So if you're interested, in, come and see me in lunchtime for more information or email us. Info for, info or anything like that about our training, women at 20schemes.com. 45 seconds, that's all right. We'll move the lectern.